This episode of the Shooting Brooks podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player propositions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or eSports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. To this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast, and this is a little bit of a different episode because there's there's a lot of NBA news, but the most important thing is that the NBA Finals started today between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. There's a lot of things that we need to get to, and I know we will hopefully touch upon all things. But as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by I am Daniel Wang, uh, joining us as usual. Lake Show, baby. Y'all can't see, but I'm doing a James Worthy clap because we got that W. It's your boy, Relly Rail, Jarrell Sells. And with us tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, what's up? It's Anwar. And I love to hear that energy uh, because I'm a big Lakers fan, too. And we earned a big W today. If, uh, if, we, if I had come on and we had gotten an L, I certainly would not be this stoked or this energetic i might not have called in at all so (laughs) glad we got that w today it's good to talk about it and we'll get to that w in a little bit but first just tell the people a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get a grasp of who you are yeah so uh like i said my name is anwar Uh, i'm a fellow usc alum or in my future alum down there mr Huynh, and uh uh I graduated from USC with a degree in specialized journalism while I was there. I uh, got an opportunity to work with a lot of sports at SC, Um, you know, obviously football. Um, I was big into water polo. Uh, What else did I cover? I covered women's basketball for the season. Um, I also got a chance to do, you know, lesser known sports while I was there, you know, mostly club sports because, uh, the hierarchy of USC sports, it's hard to get into the, the big fancy football and then into the McKay Center and talk to coaches all the time. But there's a lot of opportunities to get to know and cover and report on sports that people don't know about. So I got to cover uh, club rugby for a little bit. Uh, USC's club rugby team, um, club um, ultimate, ultimate Frisbee, which was a lot of fun. 
Um, and I also got to cover, uh, you know, do a little radio stuff. I, I, I covered, uh, I did a short documentary, radio documentary on a, an Olympic athlete. He's a special Olympian. Um, you know, I, I even got to talk to a football player, uh, OG Elijah Griffin. That was great. Um, did a story on him. Um, so there was a lot of stuff I did at USC. That was, that was great for reporting and sports reporting and especially underreported topics in sports. Um, but after uh, SC, I became an assistant freelance editor for Spectrum in El Segundo. So that's probably the next best place a Lakers fan could be is right there in El Segundo, basically across the street from where the Lakers um, practice, where their practice facility is at Spectrum Sportsnet. And uh, I, I got to help edit um, and work on the TV show Backstage Lakers. And we did a little Dodger stuff, too. We were actually right preparing to do Dodger stuff like the the last two weeks before, um, you know, the whole shutdown happened, we were getting ready for Dodgers. And of course we we're right in the thick of Lakers season. Um, but now I'm trying to get back into reporting, anchoring and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. As, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty LA sports oriented. So, uh, but I, I can, I can talk about a myriad of different subjects, whatever y'all throw at me. Right. And tonight we're just going to focus on one particular thing. You talk about LA sports and, the Los Angeles Lakers destroyed the Heat, 116-98, and at one point, the lead was 32. And I have my take on the whole series as a whole. I know that in deep down in my heart, this I'm not a, a Heat fan by any means, but I know that somehow the Heat are going to pull out in seven games. I know, that, <laughs> I know that I'm one of the many people who think that will happen, but I'd like to get your first reactions on this series so far it's only game one but what do you guys think i'm gonna be honest with you jared i obviously vehemently agree with you uh, disagree with you i was about agree to say you. man that was disagree a... with you but uh you jared sometimes you come off as that very stereotypical laker hater so I, I i'm just not sure i'm just not sure i mean you can be honest with me but you know that's a different conversation i mean yeah i mean yeah them. But um, anyways, <laughs> I knew the late coming into the Lakers had the advantage coming in, uh, coming in to win the series. But after tonight's game, um, it's it's really looking like a Laker victory uh, in five or six games. It, I don't know even about six, man. Um, it's it's looking like five because uh, the the Heat Miami tonight was just non-existent. Um, Jimmy Butler disappeared. Uh, there some key players on their lineup are are going to be in. They, they're already banged up. Gordon Dragic, a key player on the Heat lineup who's been doing well for them this whole playoff run, he, he's out with a foot injury. That's major news. Bam Adebayo, he has a shoulder injury. That's nothing to scoff at either. We don't even know, like, what his timeline is. So, like, the Miami's already on shaky ground. Whew. Uh, how many rings does Kobe have? Five. Lakers in five. Simple. Um, I'm I'm kind of because you know I'm 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 not gonna say it's gonna be a clean sweep. I'm not about to like get too cocky because the job is not finished. It's not j done. But I'm kind of agreeing with Daniel here, man. Like you know, Jared, you looking like a Laker hater, man. Every every round, the Lakers gonna lose. Like damn, we ain't we ain't garbage like that. I do want to point out that this Lakers team I've seen in the first half is this is like a magic trick to be to be honest to me. Cause I ain't never seen us shoot that that well. I'm I'm excited. I was ecstatic to watch them hit shots and feel confident in their play and see Anthony De Davis get a little aggressive because Jay Crowder was doing some uh, questionable things uh, in the game. I want to see that. 
And I feel like the Lakers did an amazing job of getting that lead. Of course, I don't like how we lost the lead towards the end and how we played like that. We got to keep our foots on their necks. Um, I also want to put into question our second string and third string players that will get in during that time and wouldn't pound and keep up that lead. We're going to need them to step up. And that's the time for them, like, say, Kyle Kuzma, to get a little bit more confidence. The Lakers look like the Golden State Lakers, you know, how we're hitting threes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and check me out real quick. Check me out real quick. Listen, hear, hear, hear me out. The, the Warriors will blow out teams, right? And their second string players will go out there and they, they will they will keep keep up the pressure. I want to see Kyle Kuzma be able to do that. And I just don't know why, why Kyle Kuzma is – and I'm just going to throw him out there because this is, this is who I was um, looking at the most this game. He plays even more like a rookie. Like this playoffs is showing he's playing more like a rookie. He's hesitant. I know he's making the smarter play, and I, and I like that. But I want to see him be more aggressive because there's going to be times – I hopefully not in this series that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are kind of being slow with it. And we're going to need offense to come. And if he's going to be a part of our future, I'm thinking long-term now too. We need him to step up, but good win. I'm happy. Lakers nation out here. One and all start. Let's go. Yeah. First we had a, I'm going to try to do some basic arithmetic here. First we had Kobe with the counting. He had the one, two, three, then Patrick Mahomes, on a Monday night, he was counting his touchdowns, one, two, three, four. And I think that's what the Lakers are going to do in this series. They're going to just start counting the wins, and we're going to get to four. And I think we're going to get to four well before the Heat get to two. And I think we're going to get to four maybe before the Heat get to one. I'm not sitting here trying to be a hot take artist, but this series looks easier than the Nugget series. This series, uh, I always said – you know, that the Blazers were probably the toughest team that the Lakers faced in the whole playoffs. We beat them in five simply because they were completely unhealthy. No one was healthy on the Blazers. Um, the Nuggets series um, what was a tougher series, and they were a tougher team for us to face, but we still they beat were them a pain in five. In the ass. They were a pain I mean, in the yeah, ass. It, it was a tough five. It was a tough five, I think. Um, you know, the Rockets, I thought, you oh. know – that, that wasn't really a tough series at all, and I didn't think coming into it it would be a tough series. Um, we, we threw basically one game just off of, you know, miscommunication, not because we had to change our game plan. And I think that's the same thing we did against the Heat tonight. Miami looked a lot like the Rockets tonight, and the fact that, you know, the very basic principle of basketball is that you put tall people on the court because they are closer to the rim, right? And the Heat have one guy – who is closest to the rim, and that's Bam Adebayo. Kelly Olenek is tall, but he doesn't play tall, right? And the Lakers, you know, are simply, for lack of a better word, outbigging the heat down low in the paint. And not only can we do that, you know, the Lakers can play big. If, if the Lakers want to play big, they can play big. We can play two traditional bigs. We can have AD next to JaVale and then have a couple shooters and then a traditional point guard. But if we want to play, they want to play small, we can play small too. We can have Morris at the five, right? We can even have Kuz at the five, right? So we can play our game and we can play your game better than you can. Another thing is even when the Lakers do play small, they're, they're not small human beings on the court, right? Kuzma 6'9 with a big wingspan. Marcus Morris, you know, he's in the gym all day, probably with his brother planning on beating, you know, random people up on the street. LeBron is not a, a small human being by any means right he's still a good 265 or whatever he is nowadays so uh I will say I disagree with what what Kuzma's 
Kuzma's playing. We don't need Kuzma to play really much offense at all. We just need Kuzma to make the smart play. But what Kuzma has really impressed me is his defense. Uh, Kuzma locked Jimmy Butler down on multiple possessions. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. He locked down Tyler Hero on multiple possessions. You can't ask for more than that, right? All Kuzma had to do was do his job, and he did his job well, and it got us up by damn near 30 at one point in the third quarter. Yeah, every basketball game is a game of runs, so the Heat were going to have a little push at the end. But uh, I think it's overshadowed. I think the story of the game is going to be the fact that Drogic is hurt and Adebayo is hurt, and even Jimmy uh, rolled his ankle ankle. there at the end. So I I would much rather win against a full-strength Heat team. So the haters, you know, which there are plenty, it comes with being a Lakers fan. So they don't have excuses saying such and such was hurt and such and such is hurt. But you know what? I'll take Chip 17 any way that I can get it. I agree with what Anwar said. Um, One thing I, like, wanted to really clarify, Miami looked really small tonight, and they looked – they, yeah. they, they look completely non-existent, especially their main star, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was nowhere to be seen last night. I mean, it, it's looking like Miami also looked fatigued. I mean, I think it's because they had a tougher road to the finals. I think it's starting to wear on them. The thing with you saying Jimmy Butler wasn't really there, he, he scored 23 points and had five assists. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty good. But then the rest of his squad, right, we've been talking all about Miami's depth and this but it game. was it was a quiet twenty three, Jared. Like it, it, the right. twenty three didn't feel anything. Like it, it like you just didn't know. But you have to take into account that he did his part. He went eight for thirteen, so he played a very efficient game. He had two turnovers, two steals, and two rebounds. Right? He played a decent game, at least by his standards. Again, it goes back to Drogic and Bam not being there because Drogic he only played fourteen, basically fifteen minutes, scoring six points and having two steals, and that's about it. He had a few assists here and there, but after he had that weird, not even ankle turn, it was just a weird, you know, plant, and then he was out. I mean, at least he could walk off his own power. That's a good sign, but if Bam can play, he needs to He needs to be better two for eight for eight points. That's not going to win anything. Duncan Robinson was horrific. He did nothing during his time on the court. And then Tyler Hero, he had a minus 35 in his 30 minutes of playing. So those are the guys that you look forward to, to have them on the court because they can do something, right? And then Andre Gudala as well, minus 25. The two worst plus minuses on either side. That You can't have that, especially with Andre Gudala. He's been there. This is his sixth straight finals. He can't be just this passive player. He has to score more. He has to do a lot more because with this squad, who else are you going to turn to? I mean, Jay Crowder was decent, four for eight, four for seven from three with 12 points. But none. Kendrick Nunn, yeah, but most of his minutes came in garbage time, basically. That's who they're going to have to turn to. Um, Just saw a report, that Bleach report, just said that they're going to reevaluate Dragic's diagnosis with a torn plantar Fascia, yeah. <laughs> so if he's out, they're gonna. That's like the whole finals, I would say. You yeah, can't none, play on that. none is the next <laughs> next option. Yeah, and with that being said, if they lose Dragic, then you know, yeah, Kendrick Nunn started the you know the sixty seven games prior to the playoffs, but it is the playoffs, and he's a rookie. I mean, 
mean, he still came out there. I don't care if it's garbage time or not. He still came out there and put buckets and showed that he could play hard. What what else are you going to lean on? Derrick Jones Jr.? You already know how I felt about players like Derrick Jones Jr. At least he's getting buckets. And Goran Dragic got buckets for him. I'm not saying that's all that he's going to provide, but they're going to need somebody to step up. And Kendrick Nunn, why not? What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah, and to just just for a, a little bit of a a little bit of context. So the Heat had sixth average in double figures throughout the playoffs. Dragic just under a shade twenty one. Butler at twenty point seven. Bam at eighteen point five. Hero at sixteen point five. Jay Crowder at twelve point three, and Duncan Robinson at eleven point three. So out of those six players, four of them didn't show up. So you know, moving forward. I don't. I guess you can get more contribution from your bench. I guess, but at the same time, you know, they only the the Heat only scored twenty eight point five points per game off the bench, as opposed to the Lakers, who had almost thirty five points. So, right. Well, know. well, well. I think uh, throughout the playoffs, people look at a lot of people look at poor shooting performances in a whole lot of series throughout this whole bubble, and they say, "Wow, X and Y, they were shooting hot." This one game now they're they're shooting bad in this series, and I think uh, people tend to forget the fact that it, that uh, sometimes they're playing better defenses, and this mm-hmm. Lakers defense is one of the best in the league. I mean, what the Heat have been doing to other teams in this playoffs, and that we've been lauding like, oh look at Jimmy Butler, they hustle, they're on a business trip. He doesn't shave his mustache. He didn't bring his homies to the bubble with him or, or girls or whatever, right? Like that type of grit and grind, like lunch pail mentality. I mean, the Lakers are doing that too. That's the type of defense the Lakers play. They will swipe at you. Rondo will will swipe. You know, Morris will swipe. Danny Green will, you know what I mean? And and Alex Caruso, they, they get transition buckets off of swipes and steals. Um, they will double team you at the right time. Right. I mean, this the Heat um, are kind of unfortunate. Right. When you list those names and you look at all those guys and you say, oh, you know, those are the guys in double figures. But are any of those guys really even worth double teaming? Right. So when you look at the Lakers and when you look at the Nuggets series, they had to double team Murray. Right. They had to double team Jokic in the post. Right. And then they had to use their great defense to close out when Jokic or Murray found the open guys in space, right? But in, in, in this game and for the Heat in this series, I don't know if it's really worth doubling Tyler Hero, especially when you can throw Kuzma on him and Kuzma will play above what his standard has been through the season on defense, right? You can throw Rondo on Hero. And, uh, you know, another point, you know, you can make is that the Heat, you know, did look a little fatigued um, on the other side of the ball, when they were playing defense as well and you know that's a a product of playing long series right but uh the Lakers you know we can put bigs like I said we can do you better than you and we can do us better than you right in the sense that we can we had AD in this game going out and he was hitting three so we could space the floor with a big the only big that can space the floor on the heat is Kelly Olenek who you know well, they have Myers Leonard on the bench too. I mean, look, this, just hearing these names come out of my mouth, right, is making me think like the Heat are climbing an uphill battle, right? If you have to say, well, let's have 
uh, Kelly Olynyk come off the bench. Let's have Derrick Jones Jr. come off the bench. I didn't even know Derrick Jones Jr. was still in the league. I thought he was in that one dunk contest like three years ago. I had never heard of him since then, you know, or Kendrick Nunn. These guys are rookies. I mean, you can't expect them to go up against seasoned veterans like Dwight Howard and Ray John Rondo, even in five to 10 minute increments, you know, so uh, it, it's an uphill battle for the Heat. I will never disrespect a team that has made it to the finals and that has played as well as they have and you never want to jinx anything or be a Charles Barkley and make any guarantees but uh the Lakers are in the driver's seat 100% in this series I mean and if um Anwar uh if the Lakers do eventually if they do eventually win this series um Anthony Davis already looks like he's going to be finals MVP because he 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 was he was the prime he looked like the primary scorer tonight so um yeah yeah, that, that was the point I was making, too. Yeah, what I was trying to say is he, he hits the threes, but there was a point where Kuzma had that play where he drove in and passed the ball to AD who had cut. And the fact that you can have a big at 6'10", be the cutter in a five-out set right around the three-point line, the, the defense collapses when Kuzma comes into the paint, and then AD, you know, your center can cut into the hoop and just throw it down on you. I mean, that's just extremely – it's extremely valuable. You could say it is finals MVP valuable, most valuable. Just to piggyback off of that, um, both Kuzma and Dwight Howard did a pretty solid job with finding AD on the cuts, and I want to see more of that. That's what I meant by as far as the aggressiveness from Kyle Kuzma, making the right play but also stepping up and doing more. I always want more out of Kuzma because I'm going to think long-term. I want him to grow. I want him to be ultimately that X factor. Um I have to disagree with both of you guys and say it's not going to be just a clear cut for Anthony Davis. I understand he plays defense. I understand he gets big buckets. And I wouldn't be upset if he gets final, finals MVP. But just to say it's a clear cut and not give LeBron James his credit when he's doing literally every other thing, setting up our offense. At, I don't know how 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 old he is, 35 years old, um, still averaging close to a triple-double. It's, it's, it's not an easy decision just to say Anthony Davis is going to get finals MVP. Now, hear me out. If Anthony Davis was getting these 30 points as well as uh, getting more rebounds than he was averaging just stat-wise, just the surface stat-wise, dominating on the boards and giving us three to four, four assists a game, as well as with his blocks, I would say it's a shoe-in. He's, he's got it. But since LeBron James is excelling at everything that, aside from Anthony Davis to scoring, I can't just give it to Anthony Davis. I still, have, I still feel like LeBron has, has a bid in for it. He already, he already didn't get MVP. You, you telling me you, you telling me he ain't gonna get finals MVP? Yeah, no, no, dog. He could. That, he could. It's that narrative, right? Because everyone's saying, "Oh, you know, Giannis is the better player." This thing, that thing. But now the voters have that narrative in their mind, like, "Oh, LeBron didn't win it, but look how far his team went." And so it's honestly just like you throw it up and then see what sticks, right? Because LeBron had twenty five points, thirteen rebounds, nine assists, right? Mm-hmm. AD had thirty four points nine rebounds, five assists, and three block shots. So you can... Is neck and neck to me. Basically, yeah. I mean, you honestly can't go wrong with either of them. But just something that, you know, speaking of AD, something that I've noticed is that whenever, at least in the first quarter, when the Lakers were couldn't get into their offense or whenever they had a specific offensive set, for some reason, AD would be in the corner, right? And he had Jay Crowder on him. I think that would be the best time for him to get started i guess because he has that mismatch and you know jay crowder is shorter sure but he he has that leverage but i don't think that's enough to disrupt ad i don't I mean 
it's just I, a weird I, thing to me. I don't know about. I you. mean, this this series is honestly perfect for ID. Just look, just look at how small this Miami team is. Yeah, Crowder was playing the five at multiple points. Yeah, I mean, like Miami, it, it just they look completely outmatched sometimes. So like, I, I this is this is the I think this is the perfect time for AD, you know, to basically eat and get as many points as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Because he, you, we've said it, there is no one like on the heat that can defend AD. Why doesn't he just feast down low? He could be averaging 36, 38, just, just two extra put up. Just put going back. back off of what Anwar said, right? It works because one, the heat don't have any defensive presence in the middle. So when guys like Kuzma get into the paint, it sucks the defense in. And all Anthony Davis has to do is just cut to the basket. That's why he got 34 points t- today, right? He was he was scoring on all levels. We also have to factor in that the Lakers hit shots. Mm-hmm. If the Lakers hit shots, AD is fine with doing what he's doing. Now, if we don't come out hitting shots like we're doing, then it's time to put the pressure on it. But for now, I mean, if it we have to we have to adjust with what's giving. And this this form of attack, especially when they get into their um, their zone, and we have LeBron in the in the in the high post. That might be our best best means of attacking. Because then, yeah, once we get, go ahead. One hundred percent. I mean, I, one, one another point is that the we, we the Lakers are simply not going to shoot this good again. Like they no. will they will hit. They were at fifty seven percent from the field at half. That's not going to happen again. You just work off the assumption that they're not going to do that. Rondo is playoff Rondo. He's he came into the series um, hitting forty five percent on threes. I mean, Rajon Rondo hitting forty five percent shooting threes coming into a series. That's insane. So they need to bank on that not happening again. The Lakers are going to shoot well, but they're not going to shoot 57% through two quarters well. I don't know the totals uh, for the rest of the game, but that that shooting percentage is going to be a lot closer to 50. But even if it stays closer to 50, um, that's good. But the Heat can easily match that, right? The, the Heat can easily – like I said, the Lakers have an incredible defense. But the Heat can definitely go off for a game with Hero and Robinson and Crowder, even Olenek, right, and guys like that just hitting all of their shots. I mean, Iguodala can't really shoot anymore, but it's the finals, right? He's been there. He's 16 years in or or whatever he is. He can hit shots, you know, as well. So, you know, you can't underestimate any team, and that's where the superstars come in, right? And and people have been asking AD his whole career – either to his face more rarely, but on the street, it's more like, why doesn't AD just be a a baller every game? Like, why does he just get down in the paint and just put his shoulder in you every game? Right. And it's like, we don't know. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't, you know, AD said in a post game interview interview uh, during the Nuggets uh, series, he said, sometimes I get in my own head. He right? want to be Sometimes KD. I that's do too why. Much, too much thinking, right? Yeah. He wants to be a jump shooter, right? He was like six feet tall at like something six, in like three, the tenth like grade or something. or something. Yeah, in like the tenth grade, he was still a guard, right? He was he was basically our size, right? So that doesn't go away, you know, too quickly. But that's what also makes him great. But uh, you know, part of the Rocket series, the the last, you know, the last two games the Lakers lost, which is uh the well, I think it was game two of the Nugget series and then game one of the Rocket series. That's what AD's problem was. He would he would get, you know, 
um, in the mid range and there would be a smaller guy on him and he would try to play triple threat. And it's like, why are you, you are, you're tall. You are a huge person. Why are you trying to do triple threat moves? Just put your shoulder down and play post. And it's like, he can do that. He doesn't always do that. You know, the, the game doesn't really lend itself to post play anymore. Right. But, uh, it, it can it can certainly help, especially in later games in this series when the Lakers do not shoot as well as they did. When Rondo doesn't hit everything, Danny Green we already know is not going to hit everything. We already know right. Danny Green is going to go cold for one game, right? So these are the things that uh, that that's when it goes on your superstars, and and it's a hundred percent true that AD needs to do that. Uh, so I hundred percent agree that. You know, as long as the shooting continues to go well, AD is gonna doesn't have to do all that. But there's gonna be a point where AD is gonna have to step up and do more of that. I mean, yeah, uh, Anwar, you may know that you know Danny Green's not my exactly my favorite player or person at, at some <laughs> points. So uh, yeah, I think the Lakers we're not gonna shoot this well all the time. Definitely, I I'm, I'm already suspecting that game two, the next two games, in my opinion, are gonna be pivotal in the series. So um, there, I think Miami is going to put a fight in either of those two games, and it, it, you know, it'll those the next two games is going to really show who's going to win the series. But I have a feeling, even if the next two games goes one-one, the Lakers, the Lakers are in, are still in the autopilot seat. Yeah, and just to go back to the shooting, the Lakers shot forty-five percent from the field, thirty-nine point five from three, and ninety-two percent from the free throw line. So those are amazing numbers. So it's 45, I, 40, 90 plus, right? Like yeah. you would win the MVP if you shot individually like that. Right. right. So. I mean, surprisingly, everyone sh- practically shot well tonight, even Danny Green. So, you know, that, you know, the man that frustrates me every night and every night out. I mean, he's, he's that guy on where you like, you know, he's, he's the Rondo where like in, in the Instagram stories, I want to leave him on the corner and just, just leave him there alone. You know, you know, I know I, you probably know what I'm talking about. You did a story like months ago. On yeah. Rondo. Yeah. No, I, I, I said this was before the bubble. I was not a believer in playoff Rondo, unfortunately. So I was like, you know what, when we go, I think I said something like when we go to Orlando, let's just leave Rondo on the corner of like Figueroa and, <laughs> and seven, <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless he learned how to shoot. Let's just have him, uh, let's have him on the corner of Staples center selling the uh, bacon wrap hot dogs. I don't want him to come to the bubble, but I'm never more happy to be proven wrong. Never more happy. Playoff Rondo is real. I heard on the broadcast they said that he doesn't like to be called Playoff Rondo because it disrespects his uh, his game and his history. And but it's whatever, true. Bro. Playoff it's Rondo true. is real. It's true. He it's was not true. shooting like this. He did not shoot like this in the regular season. I mean, Rondo, was, Rondo was – I mean, going back – I mean uh, – Going back to like NBA history, Rajon Rondo was why the Boston Celtics are in were in the 2010 Finals because of his performance against Orlando. It was Orlando was favored to win that series that year because they had gone to the finals the year prior. But no, Rondo basically pushed Boston into the finals that that season. So AC Chicago Bulls too. AC Chicago Bulls took it to seven. Rondo breaks his thumb. The Bulls lose, and the Celtics go on to the I think the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that year they did. Hmm. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the Lakers, and that's fair because they just demolished the Heat. But if you're the Heat, if you're Eric Spolstra and you're looking at your team, what do you tell your team? Because this is, by all accounts, one of those debilitating losses, right? You 
you played so well up until this point, and then in the first half, they had him. But then all of a sudden, it just fell apart. So at this point, what do you tell basically your squad? Hey, we got destroyed. What? Don't, don't fret. We still got this. Because personally, if I was him, I would say this is just one game. And it is, is NBA Finals. This is how I would go with it. Personally, if I were him, I, I, already, I already already know that deep down, like, it, it doesn't look great at all. But I would, you know, I obviously, you know, try to keep the morale up. You know, I would honestly tell a team, like, you know what? Hey, it's going to be a difficult task, but all we can do is just try the best we can. This is going to be, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough battle. We have two of the top five players in the league. The only thing we can do is just give our best effort. And I, well, I will go with that mentality the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, if I'm Eric Spolstra, um, I'm not talking to the team. I'm talking to the team doctors, and I'm telling them they need to inject those guys with some painkillers and try not to screw it up like they did Tyrod Taylor, okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> don't puncture any lungs. Just shoot them up. They need to shoot up Goran Dragic with something because, you know, without your your starting point guard, I, I don't know how far you go in the finals. I mean, if the reports that have torn plantar fasciitis, so – you know, that's tough. If Bam Adebayo can go, even at 60 70%, you got to throw him in there, right? If he can go, he can go. Because they just simply do not have the depth um, to to be able to afford guys going out with injury like that. Um, but Eric Spolster has been in the league a very long time. Eric Spolster worked his way up from being a guy that people thought was just the the LeBron and D-Way's little whipping boy, mm-hmm. right, in 2010 um, to being considered, and rightfully so, one of the best coaches in the league. Um, Eric Spolstra never seems like a, a rah-rah guy or a guy that even raises his voice much, but um, – He's gonna. He's a guy that was the video coordinator. He's gonna go mm-hmm. in that video room and he's gonna draw up some plays, right? And he's gonna draw up some schemes and he's gonna be a little unconventional and try to find a way to uh, to get some W's. It's the bubble. Anything can happen. There's no home court advantage. There's no road disadvantage. So anybody can come out in any game, and. Um, like I said, be hot. You know, I think he's he needs to rely on his shooters getting hot next game. Um, so I don't know if what he tells the locker room, but uh, he might take a trip to the pharmacy and, and, and get some painkillers for for his guys. I can tell you that much. Go to like the Walgreens at twelve o'clock in the morning, saying, "Hey, we kind of need a lot of these things, a lot of like ibuprofen, like." Now right. the bubble Walgreens. Yeah. Right? It, next to the barbershop. Next to yeah, and Jimmy Butler's coffee. Right. <laughs> they spike Jimmy Butler's coffee with some of that good Tylenol, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean he probably doesn't know he's always jacked up, he's always pumped. So I mean, personally, if I'm Eric Sprostra, I'm proud of this team no matter what. Because going into this bubble, y'all like they weren't even expected to make probably make it past the second round, I mean, even the Eastern Conference Finals was arguably a stretch for this Miami team. So, um, I mean, no matter what happens, in my opinion, I'm proud of what this team has accomplished so far. And, and if that Miami organization should be proud of, like, what this organization has, like, done this entire bubble run, 
So, I mean, Mickey Arison, Eric Spolsa, Pat Riley, uh, like, should be, you know, they should honestly be looking forward to the future because Giannis, I think he's gone from Milwaukee and Miami's in the, in the discussion. So this could be a hint that this is, this could be the beginning of a, of a, of a complete return to championship contention. Yeah. What, what do you think, G? What do you think Eric Spolstra is saying to a squad after this game one demolition? Um, just to piggyback off what Daniel was saying, he, he has to be proud of his squad. Um, they're re- very resilient and, that's basically what his speech is going to be. We 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 have to embody this loss, take it. You you see how tough they were. Jimmy Butler shouldn't have played after he rolled his ankle the first time. Yet he still made his way out there. That and was scary. It, it yeah, did. It was. And then he ended rolling rolling it again. And to be honest, it's not going to be the same. It's just like AD's ankle injury. If he rolls it again, it's gonna it's gonna get tweaked. It's gonna feel off. But you see the grit. You see how how. Jimmy Butler wasn't just going to give up. He's here. This is what he's been playing for his whole career. I'm not going to sit out. And that toughness that you guys exhibited throughout the bubble, throughout the playoffs, um, is what's ultimately going to bring them back in game two. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Heat come out with a little bit more intensity um, on the defensive end at at least. And Jimmy Butler and Bam having uh, the games of their lives. And I think Tyler – yeah, if they play – and I don't know what's the what's the, what's the deal between Tyler Hero and Kyle Kuzma. They sharing uh, uh, girlfriends and whatnot. Yeah. But that little battle going on between them, I don't know. I think Tyler Hero might come out hitting threes hey, I mean, left and right. Look, look, Kuzma's got his own queen now, so he's probably not even bothered by. Uh, I don't know. I feel like all these NBA players share the same ten IG model. So yeah, just um, with all that being said, let's. Tie back to a little bit of a, a basketball tone here, right? So just just a few more quick notes about the series because I thought these these notes per Axios were really interesting. But so this is the first time in NBA history that both teams made it to the finals that didn't make it to the playoffs in the season prior, and the Heat are just the third third team seated fifth or lower to make the NBA finals joined the Rockets in 95 and the Knicks in 99. They're also the first fifth seed to do that. So shout out to them. On the flip side, the Lakers, they have had one player on their roster that has been to the finals at least once since 2008. They had LeBron James, obviously, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, and Danny Green. So a lot of a lot of history there. And we talked about Pat Riley, and we know that he's basically the godfather of the NBA. He's been around forever but he is the first person to reach the finals in six straight decades, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and the 2020s. So, oh, that dude can go forever. And I just want to... Pat, R- Pat, Pat, Pat Riley is honestly one of the most important figures in NBA history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, like he, was he, a, he, was part of that, he was part of that Showtime era that practically saved basketball. Like, if it wasn't for Pat Riley... Basketball, the NBA like will not be even in discussion of replacing the NFL. I mean that that's how important Pat Riley is, and of course he 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 Pat Riley also he started the Super Team era. I mean like he he was the he was the he was the head architect of the the big three, the Heatles. So I mean this, like Pat Pat Riley's impact on the game will be felt for decades. Yeah, absolutely. This. His his imprint goes beyond just 
you know, front office moves and how he was a coach. It his influence, the way that he's able to build people up, like the way he built up Eric Spolstra to be this incredible coach, right? That influence, it's gonna like you said, it's gonna last forever. So it's it's one of those things. He's gonna be just one of those figures, kind of like Greg Popovich is in in a weird way, right? Because we see Greg Popovich and we see, you know, Pat Riley. And yeah, they're kind of on their way out, sadly, but they're f- basically how they built up their organizations. It's gonna be, it's gonna last forever, I think. I mean, yeah. uh, just just one just one thing of all the great coaches in NBA history. I mean, there's there's also like we have to also have to talk about Red Auerbach, but the big one that comes to mind: Riley, Jackson, Popovich. It's 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 amazing how like Riley and Popovich have aged well, and how. Jackson did not age well at all. So I mean, no. it, it goes to like this. The like Riley had he just managed to stay relevant. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, you know, before right when the Showtime era started with the Lakers, uh, Jerry West was really hired to be the coach of the Lakers. Uh, I forget which year, the early '80s, late '70s, when when Didn't know Showtime that. was really about to get going. Yeah, but uh, he really kind of you talked about him grooming Spolster, right? It's because well. Mm-hmm. You know, West groomed Riley. You know, Jerry West, I'd have to look it up, but he barely coached the Lakers. Um, and he was really setting it up for Pat Riley to take over. So just the level of, of the, just the hierarchy and, and the generations prior, Pat Riley is very, very uh, not removed from some of the greatest names of all time and became one of the greatest names of all time in coaching. I mean – you go back to Jerry West, right? Uh, Jerry West is not even a generation, not really more than a generation removed from James Naismith himself, the guy who invented basketball, right? right? Certainly the same era as Adolph Rupp, who learned from uh, Dr. James Naismith. So when you, when you, it's really cool to look at kind of like the history of basketball, considering basketball is such a young sport relative mm-hmm. to the other major sports. Um, Especially com- compared to baseball. It's it's very – Right, right, right. Especially compared to baseball in that there are guys that are that are only one or two generations really from the founder of the game um, that are still coaching um, and still being managers and still high up in basketball ops like Pat Riley is. So, it, you know, he's going to build himself a winner. He doesn't tank. And uh, the Heat showed that you don't have to tank – to succeed mm-hmm. and uh they just built the culture uh, Philadelphia. First. <laughs> i will say this i was a fan of the process i think the problem with the process in philadelphia is that they didn't stick with it right they fired sam hinky just mm-hmm. because he was tanking too well right yeah uh people didn't want to see that the media didn't want to see it Stephen a called adam silver himself to say uh you need to do something about Sam Hinkie and the Philadelphia 76ers tanking the season intentionally, right? And uh, But there's more than one way to skin a cat is really the point. And I like the way the Miami Heat did it. You know, people completely destroyed Jimmy Butler for coming to the Heat. Mm-hmm. Destroyed him. They said he just wanted to sit in Miami and smoke Cubans all day and watch Bad Boys 2 on repeat and – you know, he didn't want to win. He, he just wanted to, you know, 
chill out. He was the problem. Oh, he's toxic. He does he he doesn't get along with his teammates. No, culture matters, right? Yeah. And Jimmy Butler said, "Your culture is a winning culture, so I want to play there." Right? And it's yeah, I'm glad it's working out for them even if they don't win the finals. I mean, this is this is definitely a successful season and I think other free agents. This isn't a great this isn't really a great free agency period. Um, not only because of uh, COVID, but just in general, not a lot of big free agents this year. Um, but somebody's going to look at the heat and say, I want to play with those guys. Yeah. And, you know, we're, that's an interesting point you bring up because I read somewhere that Marc Gasol had thought about going back to Barcelona, but apparently that hasn't been discussed yet. So we'll see how that goes. But just to end off here, what do you guys think about the NBA Finals court? The one blue side and the one red side? Do you guys do you guys like that? Or is it just one of those things that you're kind of like, nah, it's, it's decent. I mean, I could live with it. I mean, personally, um, I'm okay with the court. I mean, I miss the courts where, like, they had the big Finals trophy with the team logo in the middle of it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I obviously, like, like, miss, like, I actually miss it when they actually put the Finals patch on the players' jerseys. They I had it on the thought, back. Yeah. Oh, really? I wasn't. I, I yeah, right up their name. Yeah, but it, it, I just want things like I kind of want those things to return because it made the finals feel classy. But I don't really have a problem with the court in in general. Fair enough. I, I think we all agree with you, Daniel. A lot of people on Twitter is going off on it. It looks like a summer league court. So yeah. yes, I don't. I don't like it. It's it's basic. I would rather see the big finals, the big trophy, in the middle of the court. I think that'd be awesome. So yeah. I mean, it made it made it made the it made the game feel epic because, like you know, like this this, this is going now. Right. They should also do inter- introductions for the players because I don't know I don't know if I just missed it, but did they do introductions for the, for no. the players? No. That, I mean, it's, got- it, it's possibly because they're in the bubble, but like like one of the things that like, you know that excites me about finals broadcast um, is that like you see the player introductions and you never see that on broadcast. Right. They could have somebody that could come in here on the mic and just introduce the players. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do I, I don't know. I didn't really even notice the, I didn't really even notice the 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 new court. Mm. I just it, all the bubble games have been basically looking <laughs> kind of the same to me. But it's like, hey, you know, it's the bubble. I mean, what can you do? I I spend more time like looking at the virtual fans like on the replay, and it's like delayed for a second, and it's like some crazy shit happens, and then the fans are still sitting there like that, like because it's like delayed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're doing the best they can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not a regular season. So, uh, you know, hopefully by the time next season, we'll get that fan atmosphere back because I'm certainly missing. I, I miss, you know, I miss, I miss the fans here. I missed, I missed them. Yeah. And shout out to Obama too. who was uh, watching the game. So shout out. To I don't him. know. What was he talking? It looked to? like he was talking to people during, the, <laughs> like he was doing his like, you know my Amer- like he was doing that thing yeah <laughs> during the virtual family you know yeah educating yeah, americans out, on how to, obama. educating americans on how to play the game the right way right obama was looking at the tv like see i would debate way better than these <laughs> yeah i think anyone would but with, <laughs> with all that being said i just want to say thank you anwar for hopping on i know it's a it's a late podcast and it's a uh, you know, it was it was fun having you here. So thanks again for hopping on. 
Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, especially with the Lakers dub. You know what I mean? Yeah. Puts me in right. a good mood. <laughs> right. And if people want to follow you, read some of your stuff, or just want to generally follow you on your socials, uh, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, so I really only use uh, Instagram, I guess. Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm not great at social media. Uh, but yeah, follow me at Anwar's on par and W A N W A R underscore is underscore on underscore par P A R. And, uh, I don't know, not, not a lot of stuff worthy of posting lately. Um, but yeah, when there is check it out. I don't, do. I, I don't plug myself like like too bad I, I let other people plug me for me you know <laughs> and that's where that's what we're gonna do a little bit later on but i just want to remind everyone that don't forget to subscribe to the shooting bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice it really helps us out and lastly make sure to follow us on at podcast bricks on twitter and at shooting bricks podcast on instagram for all the news on the shooting bricks podcast and as always i'm jerry castillo uh, I'm Danny Wynn uh, with us. It's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Self, and our special guest today, Anwar Stetson. And we will see you guys next week.